0: I feel so honored to have you guys hearing this right now. This is our very first pilot batch recording of the brand new podcast, hopefully your new favorite podcast, uh, Libations for Everyone. My name is Ben Quam, uh, sitting directly across from me at this beautiful table is my man Charles Awad, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun coming up. You're going to hear people from all over the community doing all kinds of different things, having a blast, but maybe Charles, if you want to run down kind of how the format works and how we're going to be doing this.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm actually going to kick this off right now with you and I taking a shot of fine whiskey. As we should. And we'll explain why this is a trend going forward. Salute. Cheers. Cheers, my friend. Let's go. So, we didn't just take a shot because we're such fine, furry friends. We do often drink together. Damn, that is good, too. Mm-hmm. I've never had that. We do often drink together. That's part of how this premise took on full form. But what we're going to do here is spend uh, a 10-minute segment discussing this format for you uh, after having taken that shot. (laughs) Did you set your timer? I did. All right, cool. So we're rolling. Anyways, I was on a flight to San Diego some six, seven months ago, and this premise occurred to me because Kwam and I have been discussing doing a podcast together for quite some time. And the idea was, um, let's do something that... No one else has done, but it's still like fun, loving, and cool. And we're just like jiving and having drinks. While I was on the plane, I don't even know how this occurred to me, but this concept came up to me that I described to Ben as being similar to Hot Ones. That's not the reason I arrived at that idea, but it's probably most simply equitable to that concept. But yep. the idea.
0: And I'm highly suggestible, so I was
1: like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure so, out what that means after that. Yeah, dude, the hot one of booze. So the idea is every 10 minutes, beginning at the very beginning of the program, we take a shot mm-hmm. of a spirit, one-ounce shots. We do one every 10 minutes, and every 10 minutes, the topic changes.
0: And I do want to reinforce, we are specifically doing one-ounce shots, a.k.a. not Minnesota shots. Right. Because we, we're not trying to <laughs> throw anybody off of their kilter. We're not trying to be unhealthy. We're not trying to be crazy. But we do want to add a, a little bit of fun to this mix. So every 10 minutes, the timer goes off. Everybody takes another one-ounce shot. And then we move on to the next topic. And I really, I'm really i excited to see what's going to happen. I'm excited to hear what we're going to come up with. And uh, really, I hope everybody out there is playing along with us. You know, Feel free, when you hear the timer go off, pour yourself one.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think the way we envision this is that if you're a drinker, we encourage you to sip along with us, you know, like, you don't have to drink as frequently as we're drinking, but you can have a cocktail in hand and kind of drink as we're drinking. Uh, When we present questions, we encourage you to pause and sort of like think of your answer, or ask your loved ones or your friends who are present with you, like what their answer would be. And then maybe click play and hear what our answers are and see if like your feelings align with ours, or if you disagree with us, and uh, enjoy your beverage while we take shots. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. And, you know, thinking about it, uh, hopefully if you know one of us or one of our guests, then you're either friends or friends of friends, but, uh, maybe you just found this and you stumbled onto it. Uh, we got to look at it like the, uh, the, the age old adage that there are no strangers. They're just friends that we haven't met yet. Uh, we love bar culture. We love hanging out. We love talking to people. And some of the best conversations I've ever had in my life came over a couple cocktails and they got better as it went. And we're kind of hoping that maybe we can drill down and and find that feeling in an hour uh, with every 10-minute regimented shots.
1: Yes. And we have some fun tricks up our sleeves, too, as you can imagine. It is a program about drinking uh, that was born from drinking. So we've had a lot of zany ideas. Some we threw out. Some we're going to retain Uh, You'll discover those as we go forward here. If this is the first episode you're listening to, whether that be because it's the only one or because this is further into the future, you'll have caught on to some of the things that we decided to institute and we might get rid of some of those too. But we want this to be fun. The idea is uh, we want to reflect the good and good people, have a laugh with our friends, uh, maybe even some strangers, and just share some drinks. We want you to feel like we're all at a tavern having drinks and sort of the way that Conversations tend to spiral and become more absurd the more you've had to drink. And that's sort of the premise of the way we're going to uh, converse in this, this venue.
0: Well, I'm thinking about like some of my favorite moments. Uh, you're at like a wedding for a friend, mm-hmm. and it's, it's great. You get to see your friend, you wave, but maybe you don't know a whole lot of people in the crowd but yet you end up going home with like three people that are your new best friends because you were there for the same reason, celebrating the same person. And then all of a sudden you struck up a conversation and oh, this person is absolutely fascinating. And you know, it's a little bit weird or forced maybe if you were just running into somebody at a bookstore or in line at the bakery. But when you're at a place that you have to be at for an extended period of time, and then there's alcohol involved, a lot of those inhibitions get loosened a little bit. Maybe people get, more honest isn't the right way, but maybe they share a little bit more than they would have. And I think that's a great way for us to learn how similar we all are as humans, but also maybe to get some laughs out of some things that I had never thought of, or I had never looked at it that way. And that's what we're hoping to do.
1: Right. Yes. And, you know, when you're having conversations with friends, things can sort of spiral into the absurd, regardless of the presence of alcohol. (laughs) But knowing Quam and myself and (laughs) the types of jokers we hang out with, uh, usually that kind of helps to make us all feel at ease or comfortable, and often we find ourselves at, you know, cocktail room or a bar like Marvel or um, Rest in Peace or <laughs> uh, Meteor or somewhere of that nature, mm-hmm. and just drinking with our friends and cracking jokes, and that's kind of we want to sort of present our uh, natural environment to our guests.
0: Well, and and in, in saying that, we really mean it. You know, follow us on social media, let us know, comment on stuff. If there's things that you want to know uh, just about people in general or about a specific guest, uh, please let us know and maybe we can direct the conversation that way. Uh, If you know of a guest who would be a fantastic person that you think is really fun, let us know that too. Uh, You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Whatever is the most comfortable for you, just search for Libations for Everyone. Uh, And obviously... As we are a podcast and the only way that some of these stores will let you see these when you're just looking around and browsing is through reviews uh, and and like ratings. So if you'd be kind enough to subscribe and then, and then maybe give us a nice rating, that's also another way that we can get this out to more people. And we're hoping that as we increase the amount of listeners, we'll increase the circle. And then maybe we'll stumble onto people that neither one of us know that really truly are just amazing guests and super fun to have on.
1: Right. Yeah, Ben works for Surly. And I noticed yesterday that Otis from the WWE posted a photo on Instagram wearing a surly furious shirt. And I was like, I was like, dude, get a load of this. I was like, maybe he'd want to come on the show. But right now, you know, we're sitting here, pilot episode, zero subs. Uh, I don't think Otis is really interested in coming on this program, but if we work on our following, he'll come have a few beers with us, I'm sure, and take some shots.
0: Well, and that's, that's really the thing at the end of the day is the bar to me has always been this beautiful, like equalizing factor where all my years working in bars, you could see the richest human you've ever seen sitting right next to somebody who basically scraped together all the money they had to come down and have a beer and a shot. Those two people are getting the same cocktails roughly, they're getting the same service, they're sitting on the same stools, side by side in the same bar. And that feeling to me is the key to why bar culture continues to, to progress on and, and no matter what happens in the world will continue to progress on because we all are that same person. We all just need a moment to take a breath and and think about life and talk to somebody else about it and see where they're at. And we're hoping that we can kind of manufacture this uh, in little hour increments with our friends or 10 minutes at a time. Or as Charles, it's almost like you should be in marketing. Uh, As Charles Charles said, sipping shots and sharing thoughts. Uh, The fact that I'm 40 years old and I've never once thought about that in all of my years in bar culture is insane. But it also speaks to your genius. Let's print some shot glasses and T-shirts and shit. You can go to our web store at www.comingsoon.com.
1: <laughs> it is libationsforeveryone.com. There's just nothing on there. Yet. yet. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and to speak to that as well, how this is like the great equalizer, you know, enjoying a beverage with somebody. like the The idea that we're going to be drinking pretty much every man. Spirits. We're not going to be sipping on Pappy Van Winkle. Mm -hmm. We're not drinking Buffalo Trace Antique Collection. Do you want to speak to what we're drinking today? Absolutely. Yeah, I wanted to bring something kind of
0: fun, but also kind of just easy drinking. Uh, So I brought Sazerac's Young Whiskey called Kentucky Tavern. Um, I've kind of been making my way through the Young whiskeys that usually don't make it out of Kentucky or at least the area. And um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of incredible stuff. Uh, I really loved Heaven Hill's White Label that we had previous. But this one, to me... It just hits all the caramel, brown, sugar, butterscotch notes that I love. Big time. And for just sipping on, it's great for that. There are definitely bigger, bolder, spicier whiskeys that I love more if you told me I could only pick one. Right. But for sitting in a room on a beautiful afternoon, this to me is the definition of an afternoon sipper.
1: Totally. Yeah, no, that's a beautiful shot whiskey too. It's just caramelly smooth, 80 proof, so it's not too. Uh, it's not going to dig in too deep.
0: And we'll keep mixing it up. You know, uh, we've been talking about the idea of maybe having a wheel-o-spirits uh, and letting people spin it and see what's going on. I'm not above if somebody says they're more of a wine drinker that that's the way that we go and we, we do three-ounce pours of wine. Or for all the beer people we know, heck, there might even be somebody who only drinks beer.
1: Yeah, if we have a Vintner on or something, or we, maybe we record at a brewery like Falling Knife rest early, uh, then we, we're talking about doing beer, and maybe the, those will be a little more sizable, maybe four, four to six ounces or <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, we got
0: keep the ratio about the same for what you're taking in.
1: Yeah, and even for the moment, we're actually drinking some Falling Knife Toms alongside our shots just to have a nice, cool pilsner on this uh,
0: really hot <laughs> Northeast Minneapolis Sunday afternoon. It's going to be fun to see where this goes, and it's going to be fun to kind of see what other stuff we got to drink. But at the end of the day, we're all slaves to the clock. And with that, I say. <laughs> that was not as loud as I wanted it to be, but here we are. It was, uh, first, it was our first bell, and it sounded like it was next door. It was so quiet. Let's turn that up a little bit. All right. Well, here we go. Uh, it's time for me to pour up another round. Shot time.
1: So Ben's pouring our shots. And again, this will happen every 10 minutes on this program. And I'm going to start off by presenting the next topic of conversation. So generally, he and I will both sort of present topics. I mean, in this, in this episode, we're going to present them to one another, and we actually don't know what the other one's going to talk about, and that's how it's going to be for our guests on the show. So today, we are the guests and the hosts. In the future, our guests won't know what we're going to ask them. We're going to try not to embarrass them. We're not going to ask them anything that's going to put them in a compromising position, but we will ask them fun stuff, and we'll usually probably try to take them off guard at least like one time, something weird.
0: There's a beautiful line between off guard and like, gotcha journalism that I think we can right. walk where we want to keep it fun and surprising, but this is never built around trying to get somebody to say something dumb or getting somebody to push themselves past their limits. Uh, If any guest ever does feel like maybe they're getting there, we'll obviously gladly let anybody stop. Uh, But for us, here we are, number two. All right. Cheers to everybody. Sláinte.
1: Sweeter than you. Man, that's good. Did you start the timer? I did. All right. So this is going to be... Rapid Fire, Guilty Pleasures. Oh, man. All right. And if we run out of time, you can think of some that you can kind of kick back at me. Absolutely. I got some good categories here. I got four of them. The first one, Food, Guilty Pleasures.
0: Cheetos. Cheetos? It's not even, like, I oh, can't have Cheetos. Like my wife. I can't have Cheetos in the house. I will crush an entire bag. I'm a flaming I, Hot guy. Oh, and I'm good. Flaming Hot mm. puffs, the weird paw uh, shapes. Like, I like them all. Yeah. Like, the more chemically fluorescent orange uh a puffy thing could be. I will go down that road.
1: It's definitely a food that the worse it is, the better it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've tried getting Marnie like the Whole Foods brand, and she's like, "Nah, fam, that's not that's not cutting it for me."
0: I'll still eat it, but she's yeah, it doesn't scratch the. Edge. It's a little different. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I'll. I'll be like, nah, it's pretty close. I think it's pretty good, but like for regular Cheetos, she is like a total fiend and snob. Mm-hmm. I'm a flaming hot Cheeto guy, so typically there's a his and hers dynamic.
0: Uh, my favorite thing ever is to get the snack bags and pour them together. Oh yeah, I've done that too. And then mix it up. Cause yeah. World. I did that, I that very recently. <laughs> yeah, like
1: six months ago, I tried that for the first time, and it was pretty fascinating. A little oh, cheese, a little spice, What's that hers? weird vinegary flavor. Mm, yep. Yeah, I got a few. I mean, so firstly, I don't eat a lot of stuff that. You really shouldn't, but I love packaged ramen. I just oh. I I got like a soft spot for, you know, uh, Maruchan or any of the like totally janky brands.
0: Now, do you make it as instructions or do you make your own?
1: I I do like to doctor it, but I will eat it by itself on like a cold winter's night.
0: So what's your, what's your doctor?
1: I'll saute some broccoli with a little Sesame oil, mm. some fish sauce, a little uh, mirin, some onion, maybe shallot, a little garlic. So just like I usually just throw some veg in there. I'll saute some shrimp possibly. Throw mm. that in there. That's always yeah. a nice move. But yeah, usually it's a little extra veg, like just something to, something to add some texture to what is otherwise just like a, a sloppy soft noodle. <laughs> I do love
0: like some sort of crunch to that is definitely a thing. Um, I'll hit up a one of the markets by our house Always has fresh bok choy. So I'll do that. I'll poach an egg. Yes. And then, honestly, this is this is probably bordering on guilty pleasure, but I'll throw a can of tuna in there, too. Oh, man. That is definitely guilty pleasure. <laughs> that's, that's college that just survived somewhere inside yeah. of me. That's the the antibodies that survived in my system that are like, we'll still do this every now and then. But it's only when my wife's out of town. That's like a shame meal. Dude. Where I'm like, we did the can of tuna, the pack of ramen... A nicely poached egg, though that adds a little difficulty. A dollar forty cent dinner out yep. right there. That's great. Tuna, poached that, egg, ramen, meal and white bread, American cheese, ham, sriracha, white bread, cold, that, uh, toasted. Okay, uh, th- those two things got me through my senior year in college when I was completely losing my mind and was absolutely broke. <laughs> <laughs> it was I was DJing uh, two nights a week for seventy five dollars. That's it. That was my job. A night or <laughs> a night, seventy-five still. a night. Okay, hundred and fifty bucks before taxes. Sound like a pro wrestler. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. just like only, working only, the circuit, only with no glow, like right. no, no goodness from the crowd. I mean, there yeah. was, I guess, <laughs> a little a big crowd, but yeah. a
1: little. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I also, I guess, my other one would be gas station charcuterie. If I'm on a road trip, I make like oh. the world's shittiest charcuterie. So get like cheese curds, uh, some like wheat thins. And like a beef stick or something, sure. and then make little stackers in the car, and I call it I call it gas station charcuterie. I like
0: that. I never had a name for it, but I always do a oh, um, road trip charcuterie. Uh, the the Jack Links has these like tender bites, yeah, that are frightening because They're there not should real. be something shelf stable. <laughs> that's it's like synthetic like, meat. Yeah, <laughs> it's synthetic meat. But I'll do that And pretzels. I love that. Combo. Okay, do the sweet and hot uh, Jack Links tender bites. And then pretzels, and that's my long road trip food. Nice. Whenever I drive, more I can, than dig, five it. Hours, that's I can dig
1: it. I can dig it. All right, next topic: TV shows or movies. What are your guilty pleasures?
0: Ooh, I don't know. You know, I don't know if like. Well, I guess sort of. Um, when people ask me what my two favorite movies are, they're c- kind of both guilty pleasures. But uh-huh. Tombstone, which that, is the most beautifully overacted movie in history, uh, I that love. Is true. And then um, High Fidelity, which when I first. Read the book and then saw the movie. I thought I was Rob, and then as I've gotten (laughs) older, you realize like how horrifically stunted he is in maturity and how he never paid attention to anyone. The fact that it's a surprise that he actually broke up with most of his girlfriends sucks. Like, I hate the fact that the main character who I love so much is a terrible human, but I still love that movie and I will love it till the day I die. Jack Black singing Let's Get It On, I will watch all day long. (laughs) I love everything about it, and uh, those two for sure. Guilty pleasures for music—I kind of don't believe in, but that's a super snotty thing to say. I just think that if you like something, you like it. And I, totally.
1: I that was I, my next topic. The next topic was music. I Let me let me yeah. kick out let me kick out my
0: oh my, yeah, yeah movies
1: my film media. I love terrible reality TV shows. Currently, I'm watching uh, Double Shot of Love on MTV. Oh, boy. Because we have MTV for the first time ever because it's on YouTube TV and it's never been on any streaming services I have. So it's Polly D and Vinny from the Jersey oh, yeah. Shore on a dating show. It's so cringy. It's wonderful.
0: Uh, I, <laughs> I love it. Can I interject with a story about the situation? Okay. So it's the guy who's missing from that equation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've... I partied with him. Yes. Uh, I seen to, to every Okay. And uh, <laughs> I had to DJ that night, so I didn't really get to talk to him. But then at the end of the night, he hung out and wanted to get uh, drunk with everybody slash probably hook up with some girls and at one point we went outside uh at the time I was still smoking cigarettes so we all went outside for a smoke and we brought beers out we brought shots out and all he talked about was how tired he was of having to live up to that persona and I just thought what a sad thing to be stuck in and that that had never occurred to me that like those guys get just as trapped as anybody else does it's like a sure. a band that makes a ballad and then that's the song that becomes a hit yeah and then you're the google dolls around. and you only write that song over and over again because only people only want to hear ballads from you you know he's one of those guys that people just yell all those t-shirt time cabs
1: I, are here I watched like, it for an
0: entire evening <laughs> absolutely I have never and a lot of the people that were in that crowd were humans that I knew and considered friends and mm-hmm. I've never seen them like that like <laughs> seething at the mouth Rapid yelling <laughs> catchphrases, like girls that I know that are wonderful humans and their great parents screaming, Let me lick your abs. Oh, and Jesus. you're just like, what is going on? But that's uh that's how our culture reacts to fame sometimes.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Uh so yeah there's that and then I guess with movies I would say Fast and, the Fast and the Furious movies I love. <laughs> I adore those movies. <clears throat> Major guilty pleasure.
0: I, I have I have a certain love of that. That'll be a story. That's a later episode story. Where's our clock at? Uh, we have one minute and 46 seconds.
1: Should So you you said nothing for music.
0: Uh, kind of.
1: Because I have one more topic. Okay. Okay, so music. Yeah, like for me, I would say like corn. Like that era sure. was like me growing up when I was a teenager. I will defend like early corn. But forever.
0: again, I don't think you should be embarrassed about that. I, the, the guilty I'm, pleasure yeah, implies that you more. shouldn't like it. And I think that the forming sure. blocks that get you to where you are in your yeah. music taste, you have to acknowledge that that's how you got there.
1: I think really in more of the universal sense that for the broader public, it's considered a guilty pleasure. Oh, for, sure. for me, I am shameless. I will tell you anything that I like, be very upfront about it. Uh, it doesn't bother me at all. So the last one is beverages, drinks, alcoholic in nature, particularly given our show especially.
0: I, working in craft beer, I hate admitting that I'm a complete sucker for high life and Coors Light. I. Whenever anybody questions me about Coors Light, I always say I love beer and I sure. love soda water. Yep. And Coors Light is halfway in between the two. Right. And really, I'm just drinking something effervescent that's cold and refreshing.
1: Beer-flavored heart seltzer. Yeah, beer-flavored heart hard beer. hard seltzer yeah. is exactly yeah. it. I love High Life. I love Coors Banquet. My guilty pleasure would probably be a spaghetti, even though it's mostly socially
0: acceptable. I think we need to talk about that because more people need yeah. to understand how delicious a Spaghetti
1: is. Spaghetti is, is incredible. How so do you, refreshing.
0: What do you use? Do you use Campari or Aperol?
1: I use Aperol because my wife likes Aperol. I'm a Campari guy. I'll probably experiment with that more. But if you want it to be smooth, refreshing, slightly sweet, a little bit of bitterness, I do about three quarters of an ounce of Campari to a bottle of High Life where you take a sip out of it. So you got about 11 ounces left and then a squeeze of a wedge of lemon into the bottle as well. And that's just about perfect for me.
0: I, I think somewhere between a three quarter ounce and a full ounce is absolutely perfect. I think to me that's the jam.
1: Totally. And I cannot
0: figure out how to make this louder. But the Did it not even sound? Out. It's going off right now. No, it's Maybe not. Maybe make nothing. a sound. <laughs> Maybe. Bing! There, there we go. go.
1: <laughs> Ten minutes down. <laughs> All, right. All right. Board it up.
0: I already have my first spill on the
1: table. Oh, well, now I hear it. Is there it is just going this. off repeatedly? It must on? be on some like
0: slowly <laughs> raising.
1: Oh, thing. it's almost like an alarm. It's just going yep. higher. I'm sure okay. That's a
0: setting that I have somewhere.
1: So it's, it's almost like a horror movie. The doorbell gets louder and louder.
0: <laughs> and the worst part is, it's coming from inside the house. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a doorbell. <laughs> uh, Charles, I need to apologize. Looking at it now that I sat down, I drastically over-poured that shot. Did you?
1: Whoopsies.
0: That's like an ounce of 3 quarters. <laughs> That's
1: fine by me. <laughs> I will drink it anyways in honor of our inaugural episode Stole. of Libations for Everyone. Cheers, buddy.
0: I think it's hilarious that you can hear it now.
1: I know. It's still going off.
0: <laughs> All right. Boop. Oh, that is delicious. All right, dude. Your turn. Uh, I was going to go with background for this one. Okay. So a question that I love asking people just in, in my normal life is uh, when you close your eyes and think of home, mm-hmm. what, what do you consider home and why? We're sitting in it. Nice. Northeast Minneapolis
1: is my home. I have multiple homes away from home. But Northeast is the reason that I am still a Minnesotan, or at least my residence is still in Minnesota. I love this city. This city uh, has my heart and always will. Uh, From, like, its humble beginnings, from my upbringing in the early 80s. I was born in 81. I've been in this neighborhood my whole life, except for having moved out a couple years at various points. But this city uh, is incredible. It used to be very simple, simple. Church, people like to joke, there's a church on every corner and a bar on every corner across the street. (laughs) So it's church and bars and church and bars. So it it was interesting to see as I sort of came to my formative age, my 20s and into my 30s, to see how this city turned into such a cool amalgamation of excellent food, art culture, uh, beverages, you know, cocktail rooms, distilleries, uh, breweries, bars, including, you know, the old. Uh, hole-in-the-wall bars that have been here for many, many years. Some are generational in nature. Places like Grumpy's went from being one of my favorite just kind of holes where you just go there at the end of the evening to slam a couple shots of powers or what have you because your night's just about over and they're still open to being kind of this cool sort of mecca of... Uh, seediness
0: and craft beer culture shout out to Pat Pat would actually be an amazing guest to have oh he would have podcast. a riot with us we probably wouldn't be able to ask more than like three or four questions because once <laughs> he gets going on a tail but that dude's a legend and I couldn't agree more That'll be
1: part of it is us trying to corral people, too. Like, how do, we get, how do we get people to play by our rules? And sometimes I think that's another thing we need to note is we might just let her rip. You know, yeah. sometimes we're just going to let things happen. And that's OK, too. So if Pat comes on, Pat, if you're listening, <laughs> Pat, if you come on and we have too many shots of powers and you end up going on a tangent for the last half hour, I might have to censor you. But <laughs> we'll, <into it. laughs> we'll let her rip. Uh, yeah. So anyways, to like put a bow on that, yeah, Northeast, I, I, I absolutely love this place. My family lives here, my immediate family. A lot of my friends live here. We're sitting right now actually at my office, which is in Northeast. And I used to live across the street for seven years. And now I live about four blocks away. So yeah, this place is near and dear to my heart. What about yourself, Mr. Kwam?
0: I'm split. I, I usually if somebody asks where I'm from, I say South Minneapolis. Uh, I grew up with uh, both of my parents living separately in South Minneapolis. And uh, I lived with my mom. And I just, that's still, that neighborhood every time I'm there, I always feel like I'm home. Sure. But I haven't lived there since 93. So uh, I guess technically I did live there for one year, uh, renting a a part of a house. But yeah, that was just where I think of it. And then my other answer is always Oslo, Norway. Totally. Totally. I've spent a collective maybe year plus there, Mm -hmm. but that city always will have a chunk of me there. And it's so hard to describe to people because it's just a random city in Europe. But that place, every time I step off the plane, when I get there, I know where I'm going. There's two meals that I have to have no matter what, like it's not negotiable. Uh, And then I always have to do one walk past my old apartment and the bar that I worked at. And it's just, it's a little bit of home. And it's weird to explain that because I definitely didn't earn a homestead there. And nobody there is like, hey, where'd Ben go? But (laughs) that's still, it's ancestrally or whatever, that's still home to
1: me. No, that's great. And I have some equivalency when it comes to that. As you know, uh, my Mm -hmm. my family is from Lebanon. I'm first generation American. My parents are both from uh, a little town called Tula Batroun. And Batroun is this beautiful, sleepy, Beachside surfer vibe, sort of city uh, up the coast, the western coast of Lebanon, right on the Mediterranean. Uh, our family has a place there. We visit frequently. We try to go every year, mm-hmm. and I've spent plenty of time there. That's where all my extended family is, and I didn't really have a sense of place or like a sense of family until I visited there for the first time when I was 13 years old, wow. and I remember not wanting to leave. Oh. And then my dumbass didn't return for 15 years, and I went there when I was 28 years old in 2008 or 2009. Uh, That was the second time I'd ever visited. And I remember just feeling like a dumbass for having been gone for so long. And my Arabic was awful, which I learned when I was a kid. Uh, And I just had to sharpen it up. I remember seeing my aunts and my uncle at the airport and just feeling like, oh, I can't have this or any conversation with you guys because my Arabic is
0: awful right now. Isn't that weird though? Like how limiting language can be. It's always been a weird spin for me to try and and put myself in the shoes of somebody who came to America to try and seek the American dream. But the thing that always frustrated me so much about speaking Norwegian was that I learned how to say all the technical things and I learned how to conjugate verbs, but you never taught like the deeper words that you use to, to express what's inside your heart or things that you feel, things that you love. And I would try and learn as much as I could but then I get into these discussions with people and you realize like all of a sudden I'm out of my depth and I don't know how to I don't know how to articulate how strongly I feel about something the words are kind of there but then they don't quite come through and then you realize that unless they know your language you're just stuck basically cutting off your expression and it just has to stay surface area
1: sure I think expectations sometimes have something to do with that as well. Like if you lead someone to believe that you can speak their language and you're unable to do it in the way that they expect, that can be problematic. So in Lebanon, you know, my whole family knew I grew up speaking Arabic and just came right off rattling. Like, where do you want to go? How are you? How's work? And my answers were very brief because I hadn't <laughs> been speaking Arabic in so long. And it occurred to them almost instantly like, ah, this guy needs to sharpen up a little bit, which took some time, but it did occur. But I think that happens also in foreign countries where people, you know, maybe took two years of French in high school and they travel to Paris and they try to order cheeses, at a cheesemonger. And they're like, come on come on, (laughs) what do you need? Yeah. I mean, you, you came in here and started having this conversation, but if you went in there and you were, you know, an American that didn't really have much certainty about like how to pronounce things or or order something, then they see you pointing at stuff and they're maybe a little more hospitable to your attempt to order things in their
0: shop. My, my problem with everybody in Norway is that English is so regimented for everybody in school that they also want to practice it with somebody from America. So as soon as they figure out, I mean, they can already tell because I'm a little plus size, but then I'm big enough <laughs> that I look like I should be from Norway. So they, they have trouble reading it. And okay. then the minute that they'll hear my accent hit a word wrong or uh, I'll misconjugate a verb, then they'll immediately be like, oh, it's fine. You speak uh, American. Are you speak." Do they English? call you an American? Yeah. They call oh, American. And sure. they're like, here we go. Yep. Anyway, no, I'm, I speak fluent English. I'm like, that's not the point. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, so that can happen in Lebanon as well. But when I'm there for a while and I'm speaking Arabic really well and I'm on my groove, uh, the biggest badge of honor for me is when someone doesn't accuse me of being an American. But sometimes when I first arrive and I haven't been there in 18 months – And I'm speaking to someone, like, trying to order some, like, gazaar bread or, like, some food at the supermarket. They'll go, oh, yeah, you're an American, I can tell. (laughs) And I'm like, damn
0: it, don't say that to me. I had it in a, uh, oddly enough, or or stereotypically enough, in a Norwegian woolen sweater uh, store. Okay. I had this woman on lockdown, like, she thought I was Norwegian, she was loving it, we were going back and forth. And she was trying to ask me what the um, length of my sleeve was. Okay. And there's a word for that that I had never heard before. And finally, after two or three times in Norwegian, I had to be like, I'm really sorry. I don't I'm, – I'm not that great with Norwegian. Like, help me out. I used to be fluent. It's been way too long. And she goes, oh, no, I'm just looking for like the inseam of your arm. Sorry about that. I didn't realize you were American. I just put it, <laughs> perfect. Like, she spoke she came hot, like, English, perfect English yeah. like, It was just Like, ugh. Damn it. All right. Now, the flip side of that would be uh, looking out at the rest of the world. Is there anywhere – that you want to go visit because it's been calling to you
1: yeah I was supposed to go to Tokyo, Japan with my lovely wife uh, three weeks ago and I, we, we're trying to avoid topical conversation. We'll be clear about that. But because of the pandemic, our trip to Tokyo got canceled. And that is somewhere that I've wanted to go since I was a child. Probably the first place I ever actually wanted to go. And we had our fifth-year date We've been married for a year, but we've been dating for five years. For our fifth date-iversary, I got us a trip to Tokyo. And basically, I said, this is a trip I want to take my whole life. And I finally find the pers- found the person I want to take that trip with. That's so amazing. And the interesting thing was that gift... Is a pretty cool gift, but it was super anticlimactic because at the time she was like, wait, are we actually going to be able to go on this trip? And that was now several months ago. When I bought it, there was nothing going on. It was totally like, yeah, cool. We're going to Japan in June. But then when it approached, we were like, yeah, this isn't happening, is it? <laughs> We're gonna have to go again someday. So that's an easy answer for me. It's, I am it would so be Tokyo. sorry that
0: I ripped that band-aid off without even realizing. <laughs> but what a great!
1: Oh, there we go. It came through that time. We can actually hear the ding. <laughs> you, ding, dong. What? While well, before you pour your shot, you tell me yours. Just oh. real quick. Uh, Cape
0: Town, South Africa. Awesome. Uh, oddly enough, it um, it links back to to Norway. Um, I was uh, when I when I first moved there in in 1999. I'll pour our shots. Actually, oh, sweet. I was really. I got homesick after like two weeks of really, like I said, not being able to express anything deeply um, in in Norwegian, and I just wanted. I didn't know anybody. I went by myself. I enrolled at the University of Norway, and or the University of Oslo, I should say, and uh, I was just kind of like, well, I need to find somebody that I can talk to. And I was sitting on the the train. Oh, here we go. Can you see that better? Got it. Uh, I was sitting on the train. And a woman next to me was um, – I want to say she was reading Zora Neale Hurston. But it was – it was, yeah, it was. It was Their Eyes Were Watching God. And uh, it was an English copy. And um, basically I just was like, I don't want to sound creepy, but you're reading an American novel. And I haven't been able to just straight speak English with anybody in a couple weeks I'm a little bit homesick cuz this is the first time I've lived in a foreign country and I was just wondering if you'd be willing to just talk to me until you get to your stop. Okay. And she closed the book and she looked at me and she goes, "That's an actually really beautifully honest thing to say." And I was like, "I understand the relationship. Like, I'm a random guy on a subway. This is like the worst thing ever for you. I'm interrupting you reading and it completely looks like I'm hitting on you and I'm I'm trying not to do that. I just right. want to talk to somebody." So, it turned out that her stop was one stop before mine. Okay, and uh, it turned out that you can. There's a path that goes from her apartments to where my apartment was, and so she was like, "Well, why don't you just keep walking with me, and we can just kind of BS, and then you know, when you're on your way." So it turned out um, she was uh, the child of two artists from Cape Town, South Africa. Cool, and they were the interracial couple that fought uh, legally fought. The Apartheid Law Against Interracial Marriage. Well. And she had been raised to be an artist and looked at her parents and was like, I love you guys for doing what you do, but I have to fight to make your story never happen again. So she was going to international law school in Oslo. And she ended up, her name's Kim. She ended up being one of my best friends the entire time that I lived in Norway. And uh, when I was leaving, uh, this is pre Cell phones. So when I was leaving, uh, I had this journal and we had a big party because a lot of people were going home for the holidays. It was the end of the year and uh, I was going home hoping to return and I ended up not coming back and everybody wrote their email addresses in there and she graduated that year and then her school email got turned off and I never, I lost contact with her. Oh, no kidding. But one night we were cooking dinner at her place and she just showed me, uh, she had this giant photo album. And it, on the front of it, it just said "My Love," and on the inside, it was um, all of her family sent her pictures from all over Cape Town, and I just got obsessed with it. That that was where I had to go, and I'd love to pretend that I could look her up, but literally, Kim Peterson is the most generic name ever. So it's—I uh, think I know a Kim Peterson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know two, uh, and uh, uh, it was basically like, well, she got me hooked on that city and the story of what her childhood was going like, going through that just. It's something that echoes America so incredibly alike, but then at the same time is wildly different because of how hyper aggressive it was for the entire country and how long that lasted. But if you can't string Jim Crow to apartheid South Africa in one jump, you're not looking at the books right. So there's a part of me that wants to see one of the few other places that really emulated some of the worst things that we did, just to see how different things are. But then also to be a space of such beauty was just a thing that I got obsessed with.
1: That's excellent. (laughs) Sorry that went way too long. (laughs) Yeah, this is so. Here's here's a an example of when we break the rules. (laughs) Technically, that's why I part your shot just slightly higher. As a as a penance, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's All right, punishment and here we go. <laughs> Salute shot number four. Yeah, shot number four. Cheers. All right, I'm back on the board. Volley back. So this is a fun question, and it can be answered in a multitude of ways. Let's start out with the literal interpretation, or at least as it's understood, sort of uh, colloquially. What is your spirit animal?
0: Ooh, uh, <laughs> if I had to go with something, I guess I would have to say it's a bear because okay. size wise, frightening, but really a bear is happiest crushing some honey and scratching its back on a tree <laughs> yeah, and maybe fishing. <laughs> I would be guilty of all three of those things. And cool. yourself?
1: Uh, I think it would be either an elephant because I love them so much. And their quality of never forgetting anything and just kind of you know being stoic, mm. which I try to be i 'm not always stoic, but sometimes sometimes i'm I can be emotional mm. but uh, the stoicism and sort of like the just how majestic they are, and the fact that they never forget anything that 's sort of the thing that everybody remembers about elephants for how like incredible they are to look at and sort of they have this nature about them that's unlike any other animal on earth that's the thing that people remember most about them is that they don't forget anything and I think that uh, that's sort of an important notion and it doesn't mean that's not like a eventual thing yeah because I'm a very forgiving person but just the idea that like uh, I, I have a really great memory and most of them are great memories so it's it's good to be able to like recount stories from my youth to my friends that are like how the fuck do you remember that? <laughs> like word for word, you know, blow for blow, everything that happened in a particular instance. Um, I I enjoy that about myself. And that's one of the reasons I love elephants so much. And I guess the other side of the coin is like, wolves are fucking cool, dude. Absolutely, Yeah. And just like, you know, like just the nature of a wolf, like in the woods, just kind of creeping, eating deer and...
0: Doing at the moon, things. Man.
1: Yeah, hauling at the moon for sure.
0: That's like the nature side, I guess, you know. Like, can we can we throw in just a quick note that uh thirty-four minutes into this podcast, I yep. fogged up my own eyeglasses. So I'm gonna go glassless for the rest of this because apparently I've upped <laughs> my own body temperature enough to start fogging my glasses. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs>
1: All right, we start talking about spirit animals and you just flared up. You're turning into a bear. Apparently, it's like Altered Beast.
0: I I feel like if I say Flaming Bear, that's a completely different definition of where we're going with this. (laughs) Could be, yeah. But that also
1: sounds like Altered Beast and Psychogenesis, which is the best.
0: (laughs) I actually have it on my phone. I'm not lying.
1: Yeah, and my favorite podcast uses an audio clip from it at the very beginning. Yeah. Last podcast oh, yeah, on the left. Yeah, I didn't even think about it. for sure. from your
0: grave. That's for sure. Altered beast. <laughs> Hell yeah.
1: So here's the, then this is, this is a multi-tiered question because I didn't even know I was going to ask you this until now, but it has to do with a marketing idea I had a long time ago. What's your spirit animal as it pertains to spirits? Ooh, man, that's dangerous. Can I answer for yeah, you? Yeah, please
0: do. Let me think it's, about that for a second. No, I'm
1: answering for you. Oh, yes. It's Motherfucking Aquavit.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think it's Aquavit.
0: <laughs> I feel like that's my interpretation. I, I agree with you in that uh, it holds the closest root to my heritage, and it's a clear spirit, but also has a bunch of like stronger botanicals in it. Hmm. Uh, but I feel like I feel like I mass market myself better than Aquavit does.
1: <laughs> that's okay. what I was,
0: I was trying to figure out where I'd go with that. Uh, I was actually gonna say probably something more like an 80 proof whiskey where uh, sometimes I wish that I was more defined and, uh, and refined. Okay. um, But at the same time, I'm still not for everybody. (laughs) That's if I can hit that sweet spot of like most people like me, but I could definitely still be better. Sure. That young whiskey side is, (laughs) that's where I'd go. How would you answer that question? I think that's why I would consider
1: myself a mezcal for a lot of same reasons that you, uh, you kind of, Said that you are maybe not Aquavit, just the idea that uh, Mezcal has like some smoky qualities. And uh, also, I think that it takes maybe some people a while to realize that, like, I'm, I'm pretty cool. Yeah. And same thing with Mezcal. Like, <laughs> it
0: takes a little while to realize Mezcal's pretty cool. I like the fact that I would have picked that spirit for you as well. <laughs> would you? Okay. Like, well, like cool. the, the, uh, a, a really beautiful spirit that's not like widely known, but the people that know it swear by it that that's the thing that they love and then the cigar versus the smoke side i mean it's impossible to not at least think of something smoky with you because i've defined my later in life cigar culture through you and nate totally uh, where i look to you guys for guidance on getting better stuff than what i had been smoking previously for sure so that was the minute you asked that question that was the first thing that i thought of when i looked at you it was like yep
1: yeah and you know
0: not everybody loves it that's it. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> I just know, I know my proclivity. Like, probably me at home, Akavit is is closer to that. Sure. but I have this side where I have to, I'm obsessed with making people like me. So young whiskey, cloyingly <laughs> sweet young whiskey actually probably is more reality for the full meat. <laughs> and young whiskey was your uh, DJ name when you were in your twenties.
2: <laughs> young whiskey.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. There. One more, one more. Yeah. How much time, wait, how much time we got? We got two minutes. two minutes.
0: Okay. Who is your culinary spirit animal? Ooh, chef wise. Well, actually this is a fun discussion because I asked you about this one time. Uh, I have a group of four men that I cook with, and we've been cooking for, I think, 17 years. Yes. Uh, We throw a barbecue every year. Charles has been a guest before. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've all stumbled into everything we know about cooking together. We were all pretty bad when we first met. We were better than a stereotype, but not much. Uh, And then we've all gotten pretty handy in the kitchen. And I was informed last year that uh, the group unanimously voted that that answer to that question is David Chang. And it's somebody who sometimes will sacrifice quality for entertainment, sure. somebody who sometimes can't get out of their own way or shut their own mouth to let <laughs> something else as well. breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I still think, and this was what they said to me, and I, I still agree with this. I think that his heart's in the right spot, and I think he's trying to find ways to learn more and be better but also recognizes how many times he's fucked that up <laughs> and that's sure. if you take cooking out of that that's pretty much been my life is i have screwed a lot of things up at every possible turn but there's always been this pursuit to be a better human and seeing that in him and what he's doing with his fame right now i think is pretty neat so i don't mind the comparison and i think i kind of got to w- agree with him but
1: dig it what did you say? Mine is more literal, and it has to do precisely with actual preparation of food, and it's Francis Mallman. Ooh, yeah. Just like his his love of taming fire and, like, coaxing it to do what you want it to do. That's the way I like to cook. I don't barbecue. You know, I've never really been – that's, like, the one form of cooking that I don't do is barbecue. I've done it with friends, but I couldn't say that I could make a great beef long rib on my own. I don't have a big green egg, but I do have a big grill, and I like to do open-fire cooking. Mm -hmm. Like, I like – hot hot heat with like a steak like sizzling the shit out of it uh, that's like my favorite form of cooking is like taming fire or doing like a big cowboy grill Dude, perfect timing I think we, <laughs> yeah, that's it that's all you need to know we right? finally got it big time. Uh,
0: I will say that have you ever watched binging with Babish no so his cooking technique has nothing to do with what you do okay his demeanor so the whole cooking show is shot from his shoulders down and it's him talking through what he's doing. Like
1: in the first person or?
0: Uh, it's just him on camera. And okay. he's talking to the camera. So it's like you're having, it's like, basically like. Oh, so you don't is, see his face? You don't see his face Got it. Uh, but his demeanor in the kitchen reminds me so much of you that sometimes I crack up. Oh, really? Because okay. it, he's weary. What is this on? Uh, you- it's just YouTube. Okay. But I'll I'll, I'll send you a couple. There's. His, his shtick that got him famous was that he would try to recreate meals that were made in movies or TV and then when he got done making it exactly how they did it in the show then he would say either this is perfect and I'll just try and do another thing or he'll say we really could have made this better and if I was going to do it, it would have been this. Okay. And then he does it. But it, re- like, it reminds me so much of you that I thought that's what he would look like and then I saw his face and I was very <laughs> wrong. But I just, I realized that it was because I thought it was you.
1: Okay, so he was in a bald, brown Lebanese guy with a gigantic, infinitely Not black obsidian beard. <laughs> All right, doing shot number five. Shot number five, everybody, and it's Quam's turn to inquire.
0: What do you got, Quam? Well. So I was also going to dive into the music and media side of things. Sure. And if it's okay with you, I would love to flip that coin over and say, what do you love? And can you trace how you got to what you love in music right now?
1: Well, I love a lot of things. Wait, I think wait, wait. wait. That Hold on. I'm sorry. We've we already gotta screwed this our, up. We've got to take, take shot. our see? shots. Oh, see what happens? I'm too excited. <laughs> see what happens? <laughs>
0: All right. Let's That's Arabic, by the way. Gasik. Kasik with a, a hard consonant? Or like a G? Ks. K.
1: Gesik for a man. Gesik for a lady. Keskun for a group. Keskun for... Group. And that's why there are 12 million words in the Arabic language. That's a lot of words. Way more than any other language. I believe the second most is 800,000. Second of morning about that yesterday. It's wow. pretty wild, isn't it?
0: Like even just trying to imagine what that implies for all forms of conversation. That's crazy. Not
1: just conversation, but also reading, because there are words in Arabic that are meant to be spoken and words in Arabic meant to be read, even though you can say or write each of them. So, like, car, you say Arabiya, but if you write it, it's siyara. Okay. Go figure. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. So the question is, is instead instead of guilty pleasures,
0: yeah, what do you love and do you know how you got to that? Like, is is there a way to sum up what you love for music?
1: I have such an eclectic love of music, but the music that I love that I think probably defines me to my loved ones because it's so heavy contrast compared to what everybody else likes because I love Leon Bridges and Al Green and and things of that nature and more accessible stuff and Yacht Rock and the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack and the aforementioned Korn, even though I can't remember the last time I played a Korn album, but death metal. Um, And I've been in death metal bands, but that sort of, I think, defines me to my friends. I have death metal shirts. I love death metal. Um, The reason I think I arrived at it is because I found that odd synthesis that there are now studies to back this up but the idea that angry music makes some people happy. And at some stage I discovered how happy extreme music makes me death metal makes me happy. It doesn't make me angry. It's angry sounding, but when I listen to it, it makes me happy. Yep. It makes a hair rise up on my neck. I sing in the shower, probably scares the crap out of my cat and my wife, but it's just, it makes me feel good. It makes it, it, it arises emotions in me and energies in me. As for defining precisely when that happened, did I define how much I loved it? It was such a natural progression from liking the traditional idea of metal in the United States. And for some people, it's already a little too extreme. But bands like Metallica, Slayer, Sepultura, uh, there, there are a multitude of others, but... Essentially what you would listen to in the 90s -hmm. if you liked metal. And then at some point, I just discovered through my love of using illegal streaming music at the time, Napster and then LimeWire. These
0: kids just don't
1: know about that little window of (laughs) Napster and LimeWire was amazing for finding new stuff. Yeah, and you just collect these kernels. It'd be like a track. You'd find like one MP3 of some band and you'd be like, who is this? And then you would dig in deeper and either find bands comparable to that band or other bands, um, unlike them. And you just like go further down the rabbit hole. So I don't, I can't define precisely when it occurred that I started to listen to, to more extreme music, things like Nile job for a cowboy, stuff like that. Um, and also it is an acquired taste. I, I say that death metal is like the sushi of music. Because the first time you taste it, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. this texture is weird. But the next time you have it, you're like, well, hang on a second. <laughs> and then you dig in a little deeper. But I think it's, uh, it's also the other, the other waypoint is that it's so raw. Like, it's so real and emotional and, and raw. And you really feel what the musicians are feeling yeah. in a way that not all music uh, makes you feel. You know, I would say, like, oddly enough, it's most comparable to, like, R&B you know, like soul music, that that kind of music makes you feel like the depths of one's soul. And I think death metal accomplishes the
0: same thing, but very different emotions. Uh, what about yourself? I, you know, I've, I've tried to figure out my answer to this question for a long time because I get asked it a lot from all the weird music things that I've done. And I think that I'm at this point where I'm like the the film student that tries to tell you why the, you should like or not like movies. Like I have a lot of trouble listening to a new record and not trying to figure out everything that's going on and how they produced it. and It's, it's shitty because <laughs> it's taken away some of the joy of finding new bands because I have to figure out everything that's going on in it. It's like a, a weird puzzle that I have to solve. But that said, um, looking through what I love the most is honesty, I guess, is really it. Musicianship okay. is a huge thing. And so mm-hmm. to me, that's being honest. Like, are you really devoted to the craft of playing your instrument if you're in the band? And then if you're the singer, are you really authentic to what you're doing? And I have weird, dusty, middle-of-nowhere Arizona country. I have rock and roll. I have hip-hop. I have metal. I have everything under the sun. And the only thing that I can figure out is that it seems to me, from my point of view, to sound like it's honest. I have, really, I have a really hard time with, like, concept albums that are about characters that they invented and sometimes it works but for the most part it drives me crazy but if you look at like who my favorite artists are across all platforms it always ends up being somebody that I think is really being honest about who they are and that honesty sometimes is as much of a turn on whether it's through lyrics or through guitar or through a bass or whatever. Certainly. Like it's, I don't know like I never would say that I like country but I adore Ryan Bingham because everything that he sings, sounds like he's lived it. Even though I'm sure he hasn't. But he's selling it to me as he does. You <laughs> sure. Know? There's something to me about that. And that's honestly why like going to shows will change how I feel about a band. Like, there's a band. I didn't Certainly. understand. Mastodon is a great example. Oh, yeah. I did not understand Mastodon until I went and saw them at the fine line. And they played Crack the Sky. And I was oh, yeah. blown away. Because, of course, there's mastery to the craft. But it was also... How they played it Like everybody in that band Believed in that Record To me I've seen bands Stand up there And be completely bored They're already over the material They either don't want to be there Or they don't Going through the motions Yeah Trying to make a buck Yep And everything about Everyone on stage Sold me on it And I walked out With a copy of it That day And it's in my rotation now
1: Who is the band You took me to see Big Wreck Yeah, so that's a band, like, even after the fact, I listened to it, and it didn't have the same impact Yeah, because it played so well live. I could feel the emotion and just, like, the tenor of, like, what they were writing about, and that was my first exposure to it. So that's also unique. I think if you are exposed to a band live first, it can be a good or a bad thing. Sometimes you don't understand the nuances of what they're doing because you haven't heard the recorded version. And other times, which was the case with Big Rec, I very much felt what they were trying to portray to the listener via listening to them for the first time live in concert. And I remember listening to them on Spotify the next day and being like, you know what? It's not, it's not exactly the same.
0: I totally agree with you. And the the best part about that concert for me was that that had been 20 years of being a fan and I had never seen them live because they had been in Minneapolis three times and all three times I was out of town. You mentioned that. That was my, my first time seeing them. And it really was like, It scratched that itch and I agree like seeing it live that dude is such a virtuoso and it's a great example not a great lyricist I don't I do not love a lot of their songs it's kind of trite lyrics but he's such an incredible lead guitar player while he's singing that his guitar to me is the authentic part of that band and everything that he does and then the rest of the guys in the band do around him to me was that was the crux of it it was watching four musicians interact with each other like that so well that the lyrics almost just become another instrument in the band and I can, I can take it or leave it.
1: You could really observe how comfortable they are as a band as well, because you really felt like some synthesis there that like, they're just very much at ease. It's really like comparable to the feeling we want our listeners to have on the podcast. Like I think that that's how they jam when they're in their practice space. They just seem so comfortable together and I didn't get it at first, but the more they went along, the more it sort of started to click, and they all just – it was, they were one unit.
0: I think the Turf Club also enhances that because seeing a great band in a really awesome, intimate venue also kind of brings you into the conversation. Always. Again, kind of what we're talking about where you could be sitting next to us at the bar listening to this discussion, or you could be listening to it on your headphones. You want it to be – Something that seems like oh yeah like if I was really good I could just get up on stage and play with these guys like this must be a house band nope they're from Canada and it's fine but yeah no kidding that vibe there I just love that place the entry like I've just seen so many legendary shows in these small venues where it feels like you're you're a part of it like you got to be in on the super secret club
1: right absolutely how much
0: time do we got Uh, we do have another thirty seconds and the only other question that I had was is there anything that you specifically detest. Musically. Musically. Uh,
1: yeah, I am not a fan of auto-tune, pretty much anything. I know it's been done well, but I think that my general impression of it is that it's patching over things that suck. Mm-hmm. Except on the show Dave, my favorite auto-tuning. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I won't spoil it, but on the show Dave, there's this great auto-tuning scene. And then, yeah, most I would say most country music, but I think it's because my only exposure to it is... Uh, Stuff you would hear on the radio or that your friends would play. And so maybe I don't really have a good understanding of like really good... I have friends who are friends with country musicians that write really good like heartfelt stuff and maybe I actually would enjoy it. My mom loves country music, but she likes the radio stuff, you know? My 60-something-year-old Lebanese mother loves country music. Uh, I can't get into it, but I think it's maybe a lack of exposure.
0: What about you? Well, I should air myself out that the other half of the authentic... Side of that, like things that I love is a really major, major chord pop hook. I'm still a sucker for. Give me the bubblegum. Like, I love if you ask me what my favorite Beatles song is, uh, it comes from the later half of their catalog. But I also love Please Please Me because it's so simple, it's such an easy chord progression, and they use please in multiple different meanings through the song. I think it's fantastic. Okay. Uh, Because of that, I do love some really cheesy pop. But it's when it feels like it was just cookie-cuttered and the artists don't matter and the producers don't matter and the band doesn't matter, that's when I just I can't do it anymore. Okay. But we did have the alarm go off while I was talking, and unfortunately, we're back to it just not bing. making a sound. There so is bing. We're going to pour up another shut. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of
1: musical things to discuss in the future, I think. Because <laughs> I had follow-up questions based on that, like one of which is, and I won't delve into it, but I don't like stuff that people mostly love. Yeah. But I don't have a problem with bad stuff that people enjoy as much. It's mostly like things that people widely enjoy that I'm like, I don't get it. You know, it's, I'm not saying don't enjoy it. I'm saying I don't enjoy it. But like, like, like pop stuff, if people enjoy that, I actually don't have a problem with it. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. I just don't have to listen. It's the din in the background. It's ambient.
0: Cool. Salut. Sixth and final shots. <laughs> well, unless we take one at the end. Hey, we'll see what happens. Change topic.
1: Yes. All right, let's get into pizza.
0: Mm. Let's talk about pizza. I love that I had a pizza question on mine as well. Did you?
1: <laughs> I did. hey Three-tiered pizza. Let's go. Number one is deep dish
0: pizza. I want to argue against it. But I love deep dish pizza, so I'm not going to. Okay. I think it is more, in all reality, I think it is more of something in it like a bake hot dish casserole. Um, but the fact that it specifically is in the same order as pizza, it specifically requires different cooking vessels. You can't do a Chicago-style deep dish in a casserole dish. Like it, A good one requires like that cast iron pan, yes. the caramelized sides. So I fall into that category of I love it, so therefore I want to defend it as pizza. Okay. How do you feel about it?
1: I think the barometer for me or where I turned the corner was that I do love Chicago Deep Dish, not as much as other forms of pizza. However, if someone were to say to me, hey, let's go get a pizza, and we're in Logan Square, even if we're in Chicago, someone said, hey, Charles, let's go get a pizza. I wouldn't think they meant deep dish pizza unless it expressly stated
0: that. Okay, I'll go with you on that. And I, I agree. When somebody says, do you want pizza, I would not think deep dish first. Yeah. But I will say that, not to offend any pizza lovers in Minneapolis, but if you ask me right now, close your eyes and think of the best pizza you can think of, I would think of the personal deep dish pizza at Pequod's in Chicago that you can get at lunch. With a cold, frosty, cold Bud Light for nine ninety nine or ten ninety nine, somewhere in there. Pequod's is dope. That was. That's you actually just me. like you
1: jumped ahead to a question. Oh, man. I'm sorry. That's that pretty was, good though. That's
0: that's what I think of when you say like if you had to pick. Natural
1: segue, baby. A pizza that you dream. That's of. That's chemistry. That's it. Okay, so best pizza you've ever had. Oh God. And then best pizza you. Have had in Minnesota What's your favorite Minnesota He
0: will never listen I was The answer Oh boy I don't know Okay the first (laughs) First answer Okay He will never listen to this podcast Because he hates podcasts And technology equally But uh, Sounds like mine too A Um, buddy of mine uh, Named Biggie (laughs) uh, Well real name Nate uh, In college Worked at Gary's Pizza And uh, The party house was A block away from there And he was the night manager and every now and then, well, literally every weekend, we badgered him about it. But every now and then, he would let us come. And at the end of the night, we would make a pizza. And uh, Gary's, they have these little pebbles of sausage. And I'm sure it's the worst possible thing ever. But we do sausage. They come in a frozen bag? Or- yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're all the same. Little size. rocks. Yeah. Tiny <laughs> you know meat, it you're right. But they're tiny meat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. tiny meats. Daddy and uh, we do that and pepperoni and then literally all the cheese. And then okay. you'd put it through the salamander and then you'd pull it out. And with their pizza stick, you'd put it back in for a second half. So it cooked for a time and a half. So everything would be like perfect golden brown bubbly. And okay. then we'd go get back and get super high and then eat it. Just and it was, crush it. I mean, probably like a four to five pound pizza. But <laughs> that's what you when you have five drunk dudes pie. who are all giant dude big time like that would feed everybody yeah one pizza yep.
1: for five dudes it's got to be a big pizza <laughs> and then we would
0: play siphon filter on PlayStation oh my god until everybody went to sleep I haven't heard that name in a long time <laughs> that was that was siphon the filter it was like the stealthiest game ever and you had five stone dudes yelling what to do. Cause one person could play and then everybody else just right. chimed in. Totally. But that was, to me, that's still the best pizza I've ever had. And I know that's awful to say. Wow. So that's a
1: singular experience. It like you like a, that's a time and place thing. And that's totally viable. The idea of like, cause for a lot of people probably like a Domino's when they met their wife or something yeah. could qualify. I wasn't even thinking it in those terms, but I've only been to DeFara's in New York oh, one time so good, and the old man made me the pizza and he cut the basil with his culinary scissors And that was, like, transcendent, just, like, having that experience. Locally, I'll answer, then I'll let you answer. We'll vault this thing. Uh, The black sheep meatball ricotta. Mamma mia. That motherfucking pizza. That pizza has my heart. I love that thing. Every time I have it, it's all burnt on the edges, coal-fired. The big slices of meatball, the little thin-sliced... Uh, garlic that you'd like to think someone in prison was chopping that up for us. (laughs) A little razor blade. Oh yeah. The big lumps of ricotta all over it. That pizza is brilliant. That's a perfect pizza.
0: I do love that pizza, but my wife hates meatballs. So if I get that pizza, I have to eat the whole pizza myself, which sometimes like even like the
1: way that it's sliced and stuff. is just like too traditionally beef meatball period out the window. Does she eat sausage or like anything? Oh, so, so if it's like a beef meatball. Beef, meatball, okay.
0: Well, any kind of meatball and any kind of meatloaf. She just won't touch it. Uh, and it okay. doesn't make sense. She eats burgers. burgers. Does Jenny eat burgers? Loves okay. burgers. It's, there is not, we've been through this for almost 10 years. <laughs> There's no logic to it, except she doesn't like how it feels when her teeth come down on
1: it. Culinary quirks, man. Yeah, it is what yeah. it is. So, yeah, and, smooth beef is weird. Yeah. But that, those meatballs, yeah, I guess I, I suppose you could observe them as such. The way that they're like they're like sliced, but well, yeah, reverse, smooth beef.
0: <laughs> I won't. I, I hate raw onions on a burger because I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't want like a hard crispy crunch. Okay, and everything else is going to be soft. Even if it's deep? like
1: fine dice, or are you talking fine about diced, like sliced?
0: I can, fine dice. I won't scrape off. Like, okay. I'll crush that. So like the old
1: diner style, like sliced, yep. thin sliced white onions. That's fine. No, thank you.
0: Throw it absolutely. in okay. favor, Let's do it. I Got love it. the flavor. But like when it's the giant centimeter thick onion, I even though I cook with onions literally every day, Mm -hmm. I don't like just a giant white raw onion. So
1: many follow up questions for future episodes are occurring (laughs) to me, like your perfect burger, and but bringing
0: you back to pizza, which I digress (laughs) from. Yes, so I would say probably I do love that the the meatball ricotta pizza there is so good i also really love i think it's just called the red wagon it's at red wagon pizza yeah it's uh like salami and banana peppers and a spicy honey it's like a sweet and savory all together red wagon is fantastic i really i think i crave those two probably a lot or maybe the korean beef at uh, um not young Joni. uh what am i missing uh, Young Joni. No, no, no Pizza Lolo. But Young Joni has it as well. Okay. I I've never gotten the pizza at Young Joni. I always get oh, okay. the other things. Yeah, cause... we always get
1: we always get everything. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I just hand the menu back and like, say yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> six of each, please. But the the I can't remember the name of it. It's got a quirky name, but the yeah, that that uh, Korean Barbecue. I think it's just Korean barbecue pizza. Oh man! Yeah, I think it's just fantastic. That was another great segue, actually. The first bite that I had was like I put the piece back down, and I just sat <laughs> back and like thought about it for a little <laughs> while, and was like, I just have to savor this, fantastic, because that door is now permanently open, and I don't go. I don't, you can't go back. Absolutely. Like now you've exited into the next room, big time. And I love the fact that that she slash they opened my eyes to that. Flavor palette, I guess, would be what I'd call it.
1: So the last appendage of this question basically follows that really well because it has to do with putting things on pizza that some people think shouldn't go on pizza. Does pineapple belong on pizza?
0: So I live with a sweet and salty human being, and she 100% loves her dream pizza is pineapple, pepperoni, and jalapeno. Oh, so it's not a Hawaiian pizza, but it is in that vein. And okay. I've eaten that. And once you add the jalapeno in, then you get that fresh garden flavor and you get the heat. And then to me, that makes a, a full bite. Just ham and pineapple. I don't like, Okay, but I will get it. Or if somebody else wants it, I'll have it and I'll just eat the pineapple first. And then I'll take sort of the slightly sweet pizza. It's partly will-
1: about if you get it for others. Yep, You know, like, do you get it?
0: Yeah, that's yeah, I'm fine with it. I don't get as passionate. Like, some people are like, absolutely not. <laughs> right. I'm a fat kid, man. There's when did always this become a possibility so for food. Yeah. When did it become so controversial? Everybody wants things to be black and white. And for me, I'm just like, yeah, you know, it's not my jam. But I get how people could want that. I mean, Chicago mixed popcorn is basically the same theory. Right. It's something that's salty and something that's sweet. Put it together and wow, hey.
1: There's something to be said for, like, allowing someone to enjoy something that you don't enjoy. Like, how egregious does it need to be for you to be unhappy about it?
0: <laughs> I don't like when we put other food things on top of food. Like, when, when Adam Richman made Man vs. Food famous, Sure. Uh, we spent an entire evening together for charity one night. And he asked me, because we were just talking about everything. And he goes, you've watched my show a bunch. Like, what don't you like? And I said, food on food for no reason. Like, I don't understand people that, like, put a whole taco on a pizza. They're like, now it's the cool thing because it's really Instagram-worthy. But, like, I, I don't – that – once you put a crunchy shell taco on top of a cheese pizza, now, A, you've created a whole bunch of things that your mouth can't figure out. But then on top of it, you've made the, the shell soggy. So, for me, that's, like, the – I don't know – already a food thing on top of another food thing I'm just not a huge fan. Okay.
1: I can I can feel that.
0: I mean, is there anything that drives you crazy?
1: No, not really. <laughs> I mean, I guess I would have to think about it, but no, I'm not in the same zone. Yeah, I can see what you mean about like putting something on top of something else. I'm a double starch no no guy. Sure. I don't like double starch. Like I think
0: pierogies are one of the exceptions in my book and Oh, there we go. How how do you, real quick, how do you feel about like like the Pomani sandwich in Pittsburgh that has like a whole layer of fries? I've had it. In the middle? Like, is yeah. that, was that a double starch? I think
1: for that one, it works just because like there's so much else going on. <laughs> yeah. Everything. And like the Chanticleer frozen pizza with mac and cheese on it somehow re- works really well. I haven't had that. But just generally, I don't really love
0: that. Putting more carbs on top of a yes. edible carb
1: plate. Totally. <laughs> cool.
0: So that was our last bell. There it was. The final bell. The final bell. Do we of I mean, our pilot episode? Do we take another shot? Let's do it. I feel like we do. Let's do it. And you it's, can close us out. Is there any of that time? Bring your mic with there? you. All there right. is some time. All right, here we go. Bring, bring your mic with you, close us out. We'll, we'll for first last of all, shot. we're gonna pour a little toms into this cup. Yeah, buddy. It's a it's a rare thing. I've talked my entire life. Literally, I have video to prove it now. Uh trying to get people to listen, but I'm not really good sometimes doing it while I'm making myself things that I want to imbibe. That said, it's a skill that I hope to get better at. Uh, I will tell you at the end of the day that uh, really, we hope that you guys all join in on this. I hope you guys play along at home. I think it's going to be really fun to kind of create bar culture. Everybody wants... we A lot of us... I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of us that miss the bar scene given what has been transpiring in the world definitely find other ways to have these great conversations with humans and we're hoping that in addition to us being moderately entertaining and somewhat fun and intelligent people that we're going to keep bringing fun humans in and we're going to increase that so if you're sitting at home and you're working throw this on and have a little bit of fun or if you're done with work throw this on and maybe join in with us Uh, at the end of the day we're just trying to raise a toast to all these wonderful people around us do not forget please follow us on all of our social medias and uh, to everybody out there take care stay safe and remember these libations are for everyone cheers cheers